Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis And this is going to be so much fun We have the author of Fool her once, and you don't want to fool this author, and you don't want to fool the character here either. Let me tell you, Jenna Sinclair is a rookie tabloid reporter. Jenna Sinclair outed Denny Dennison, the illegitimate son of a serial killer. Oh, cool. That's so cool. Running from her fallout, Jenna escapes the city and hides behind her marriage and her manhood, motherhood. And wait till you meet her daughter and everybody else. And the author is here. So welcome to... MJ Network. MJ is a memory of my sister who caused this problem and started me off with this, and I God, I miss her. But could you give us like a brief summary of the book? And the title is really cool. Good morning, Fran. I, I'm so happy you like the title because I had an original title, um, and it was Payback. And my then mm. agent said, sounds too much like a Jack Reacher novel. Um, yes. And yes, so she said you've got to find something else. And, you know, I, I did. I came up with it by myself, um, and it was it was a bit of a chore, but um, I like it now. So, um, yeah, uh, fool her once. Um, first of all, Jenna, um, the book has two timelines. There's the current Mm, timeline, which is pre-pandemic 2019, and then it goes Mm -hmm. back about 20 years to when she was uh, the rookie reporter, and she was a pretty intrepid rookie reporter because she found a story and she pursued it and um, outed um, the secret son of um, a serial killer, which had very, very bad consequences for the son and his family. And she was uh, pretty much traumatized by what happened to them. And I'm not Mm. going to say what happened to them. Um, And so she uh, took another job on a travel magazine. And then she met Zach, who uh, was out on the North Fork, has an inn and marina there. And so she eventually got to know him, married him, had um, a daughter with him, but at the point of her life where this, where the book opens, um, she suspects that Zach is cheating on her. Her daughter doesn't like her very much because she's yeah, a teenager and <laughs> she's a teenager and doesn't get on with mom particularly because dad is so much more easygoing and lets her off the hook for mm-hmm. any number of things. And so she returns, Jenna returns to the city to uh, resurrect her career. Um, And that's when 
um, a series of incidents uh, happen where she suspects that Benny now found her, has got her in his sights, and is coming after her because he still wants revenge. So that is so. I don't know if so I've, good. Yeah, I don't know if I've left anything out, but that's sort of in a nutshell um, what happens. So, um, of course, Jenna, being the intrepid investigative reporter that she is, um, decides she's got to find Danny before he can harm her her or her daughter. I know teenagers are like that. My niece was like that until <laughs> she was until her aunt that would be me took over and explained to her why she's not going to be like that anymore. And she's not and I have a surprise at the end of the show to tell you about her. And I hope she does what I tell her to do, which would be really great. <laughs> it's a it's a good <laughs> surprise. So tell us about uh we have Ryan love Ryan. Ryan's so good and his wife is not so good. So tell us about his Ryan and his relationship with his wife and that's not good. Ryan Ryan is uh, when when Jenna was the rookie tabloid reporter, Ryan was mm. the news editor um, at, mm. at, at the um, tabloid. And um, after she got this great story about the secret son of the serial killer, um, they got to know each other. They and they ended up living together. Which, um, remember, this is twenty mm. years ago, so mm. it was more acceptable back then, um, you know, to have office romances. Um, and I know because my husband and I were an office romance, but that was many years ago. Um, mm. So. Uh, it was it was more acceptable for them to get together, but um, once she became once Jenna became traumatized by what had happened to the serial killer's son and his family, they sort of drifted apart because she was no longer wanted to work at the tabloid. Uh, she she didn't have the same killer instinct that Ryan had. He's a very hard bitten newsman, which um, of which. There were plenty in New York when I was working there on the Star magazine. Um, so they drifted apart, and um, Teddy is Ryan's wife now. She was um, she was the adopted daughter of a New York billionaire uh, that her mother married, um, and she started bringing little tidbits of gossip to Ryan at the tabloid, and they got to know each other, and mm. um, they got together. And then um, Jenna was pretty much out of the picture, and that's how she hooked up with Zach. That's but, so sad. Um, but uh, Ryan, Ryan is now, at this stage of his life, he's the publisher of City Magazine, which is kind of um, a New York-type magazine. And mm. she has just written an expose on Hampton's restaurants for him. Yeah. And um, so they're now seeing a little bit of each other while she's trying to get her career um, resurrected and um, trying to get back into the swing of journalism. Um, um, Teddy, Teddy is, well, Teddy is a little bit, possessive about Ryan 
but she mm-hmm. they've been separated for a while and she's been with her mother in Palm Beach and that's mm-hmm. why Jenna and Ryan get together and um uh, and, and Ryan tells Jenna well that he and Teddy are separated um which is turns out not the whole truth so that's where we are at the beginning of the book. It's too bad she didn't stay with Ryan. So sad. <laughs> then, but then the evilness would have come. Now, this character really got me. When I started to learn about this one, oh, my God. We let, we have Rosie Miller, who doesn't like Jenna at all. We know why. And she was in love with evil Ed, and she defended him. How come? I mean, the men that have been drawing. Well, um, she she knew Evil Ed, the serial killer. Rosie knew him from her school days. They went to school together, and she had a big crush yeah. on him back then, um, yeah. even though he was a bit of a juvenile delinquent already. Um, but uh, he was he was um, apparently very good looking. She she had this crush on him, but he he didn't give her a second look back then. When he was arrested and when he went to trial, she started writing to him. And we we know in real life there are many women who write to serial killers. And I I, I don't know why exactly, but um, it's like um, Ryan says to Jenna when she wants to find Rosie um, to ask her, you know, uh, uh, about that romance with evil ed all those years ago um she ryan says oh you know there's no point in going to interview this woman she's either a total nutcase or she thought she could you know redeem him or you know um sort of bring him uh you know make him make him a better person um but it turns out that's not the case i mean she had rosie had a different view of evil ed and um, in the end, uh, she says he gave her a son, which was, you know, the best thing that she could mm-hmm. ever have hoped for. So yeah. to that extent, um, you know, she that's why she defends him. Now, this is really horrible. This is, this is a typical teenager. First of all, if I ever defied my mother, oh, Lord, she, my mother never hit yelled or anything, she would just make you write down what you did wrong and how you're going to fix it a hundred million times. So, yeah, maybe she needs, yeah, seriously. So my dad would look at me and he would say, there's nothing I could do, it's Ruthie. And I was like, so why was she so defiant? And why did she, you know, side with her father? And she liked his girlfriend too. I mean, really, she liked Bethany. Yes, yes, she did. Um, And, uh, well, first of all, she's she's 15 at, at this time, and mm-hmm. um, she lives out on the North Fork where there isn't much to do for teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there is, her father is a little bit concerned about her behavior, but, you know, there are just some children that, you know, want to be defiant and willful and mm-hmm. stubborn, and that's in their personality. So um, at, at the stage where the book opens, uh, the daughter, Dolly, is at 
she's at camp in Maine because both Zach, her father, and um, Jenna, her mother, have finally agreed that she needs a little bit of counseling, and they found a camp that deals with difficult children. Mm. But Dolly gets thrown out of that camp. Even, <laughs> even the, so she's really, um, she's really a little bit of a character, and we don't know why exactly until further towards the end of the book. So um, I'm not going to go there for the moment. <laughs> No, we're not uh, going to tell because there are people that are listening and they can't know. They have to read this book. You know, it, I get these books and I never know what I'm going to read, seriously. And then, you know, I start to read them and then I get eye strain because I finish them in two hours. <laughs> and then, and no, I'm and if and if then if I finish it, it's not that I, sp- I learned speed reading when I was a kid. I went to Evelyn Woods. My mother sent me. You have no idea. And that's how I learned how to read really fast. But I understand everything I read. And that yes. does help. Um, I know, the, except for the book that's inside, that's 700 pages. I'm taking my time. And it's it's, oh. a, uh, it's, it's a t- in two timelines, and it's really good, but it's just like, oh, God, why? So now we've got Bethany and her relationship with her father. But tell us about the photos that Jenna got. And what was the sender's purpose? Oh, that was not very nice. Um, so at the start of the book, Jenna is in New York. She's, um, she's met up with, with Ryan. They've had dinner and, um, they are walking back to her apartment. Um, they seem to be headed for some sort of romantic, um, hookup, but Jenna isn't quite sure about this yet. But anyway, someone is, we know that someone is waiting outside her apartment building, waiting mm-hmm. for her to return home. And, um, and we know that he's up to no good because in the very first paragraph, I say he's circling her block and looking out for surveillance cameras. So that sort of gives you a hint that, um, that uh, he's, he's up to no good. Um, anyway, they're walking back and they uh, are walking arm in arm. And then at some point uh, during the night, Ryan leaves and um, it's after a little bit of um, a, a, a little bit of an argument that he and Jenna have had. And she runs after him down the street. And at one point, um, uh, pushes him or pushes him up against um, the building on the corner. Uh, so the person who was waiting for her um, has obviously taken the pictures of her coming back to the apartment with Ryan. And when Ryan leaves and Jenna runs after him and pushes him, he's taken the picture of that. And those are the pictures that she receives in in. Um, at the apartment building. She, I mean, she doesn't know who, why, but she does know that someone is following her now um, and documenting her actions. So um, so that's as much as we know at the beginning. It's, it's, it's chilling. You know, sometimes you walk on the street and somebody's behind you, and I always let them go in front of me because you never know. I mean, it's really weird. Well, I grew up in the South right. Bronx, so that's probably why. 
you know, and I and I worked in the south. I worked in a tough area in the Bronx. I never had a problem, but you never just never know. I was always taught if somebody's walking behind you, a whole bunch of people, let them go in front of you. Yeah, and you walk behind them. <laughs> it, it, it's right. a Bronx and, thing. And now, and nowadays, everybody yeah, has to. an iPhone and a camera, and is yeah. uh, they can take your picture without you ever knowing. So exactly, um, I find I find that. Scary, uh, but um, anyway, Jenna finds out that someone has been following her and Ryan, and she's mm-hmm. she that this starts the process of her um, trying to find out who, why, and 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 she suspects that it is Denny now that he's he he she surfaced in the city and he's coming after her. Well, somebody attacks Ryan, and we have Chief Brad. So why does Zach hate him? And why do we get the feeling that Jenna, he liked Jenna isolated from everyone in the whole world? Um, well, Ryan, Ryan gets assaulted outside, um, outside yeah. Jenna's apartment building. And... Um, uh, this is after after she's pushed him away after she's um uh, and she runs back inside the apartment building and up to her apartment and then um in the morning two detectives come to ask her because they found Ryan um in the street and he's been brutally assaulted so um that uh chief Brad comes later on in the book and he's out on the North Fork um, and uh, he he's um, a police officer with uh, the South Hold Town Police Department but he also um, he also at one point dated Zach's mother and so he feels a sort of proprietary interest in Zach and Jenna, and is always trying to mm. um, invade invade their home and 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 wiggle into all their um, you know events and and, and uh, he he tries to uh, make a place for himself with them. Um, and so Zach doesn't Zach doesn't like this. Mm. Zach doesn't like him. And, you know, basically has the attitude, hey, you didn't step up to the plate when my mother got pregnant with me. We don't need mm-hmm. you now. So he, he, but he's always trying to do little things to worm his way into their life. Um, anyway, um, he, uh, he, at one point, he gives Zach and Jenna a heads up that the cops, from New York City are coming out to question Zach about the attack on Ryan because, you know, um, the husband is always the main suspect in these things. Mm, so know. they're coming out. <laughs> and he gives them um, a heads up about it so that uh, Zach can you just prepare call. himself for this. Oh, so where does, what, is, what does she want to find Rosie? And who helps her, and why? Uh, Rosie, Rosie is um, Denny's mother, 
the one that Jenna interviewed um, as mm-hmm. the rookie tabloid reporter. And she wants she wants to find out where Denny is. She wants to find out is it Denny who yeah. is behind the, the the attack on Ryan? Is it Denny who sent her the photos? Is it what is he stalking her now that she's back in the city? And she wants to know what's happened to him in his life since she wrote the story and there were such mm-hmm. tragic consequences for him and his family. Um, she just wants to have an idea of what he's up to. And so she knows where his mother lives. And so she goes out there and she thinks, well, the first the first stop uh, would be to go see his mother and find out where Denny is and what he's doing now. And obviously she hopes that um, Denny has uh, overcome the horrible consequences of that story. Uh, so she so she travels out to Long Island um, to uh, knock on Rosie's door. Uh, of course, she knows that Rosie is going to be um, less than thrilled to see Jenna again. But um, that's another thing. Let's let's leave that um, for readers to find out how she deals with that. Well, we can't tell them everything because they have to read this book. And once they start reading it, they're going to want to know the answers. I'm telling you, you should see what I've been getting lately. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. there are six books inside, and one of them almost done within the other five. Which I'm just staring at them, and I go like, oh, God, no. It's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> so we have Sally, and what eye-opening revelations does she tell Jenna? And she gives her something, and then we have... Lola, what happened between her and Jenna and Zach? He's a troublemaker, really. <laughs> um, Zach tries not to be a troublemaker, really. He, yeah, uh, he's... He, he's very, he, he sort of appears at first like a sort of simple, I mean, simple person, sim- not simple-minded, but just very easygoing. And yeah. um, when, when he was um, when he was uh, trying to get Jenna to marry him, you know, he's out on the North Fork. Jenna was back in the city in those days, and he goes, "Look, you, you know, uh, we can we can have a marriage where you can go to the city, stay in your apartment, you know, I, I, you know, and come out here on weekends like you've been coming out to see me. We can we can have, uh, you know, he he." He's very um, he's very accommodating to Jenna, um, but he's he's really quite a complicated person for reasons also that we don't want to go into here. Um, so he he likes the idea of Jenna being his wife because she's a sort of step above. Um, all the wives of his friends out on the North Fork. I mean, she's she's not someone who started out as a uh, as 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 a waitress in his kitchen in his inn. She's a city girl. She's a, a, a writer. She's um, um, she's she's just a he sees her as a better class of wife. So he's very proud, and he doesn't want to lose her. Um, 
And that's why he's always saying, look, you can, you know, you can write from home. You can write from here as well as writing for in Manhattan or, you know, um, uh, going to Manhattan. And he sort of, you know, as, as men do, they, they promise you the earth when they're trying to get you to marry them. And then they're, um, they like to exert a little bit more control over you. Uh, that's not my husband, by the way, but I'm just saying, in general, there are some men like that who, um, mm-hmm. you know, change once once you're married, right? Well, there there are some people that I know that were married to people that actually map out their days and tell them what they're allowed to do and don't do. That would not be me, that's for sure. Um <laughs> Yeah, I know. Or yeah. they'll give, or they give you your schedule for the day, and I expect you to finish all these tasks before you do that. I go like, um, I wasn't born at your elbow, and I can have an independent mind of my own. Yeah, that's when you tell the guy to walk through the door and forget the direction to come back the other way. Yes, this is very true. Oh, I, I don't so. know. I don't know. Actually, I don't know any husband of like that of my. I don't know any friends who have husbands like that. They just wouldn't. They they wouldn't put up with that for very long. <laughs> it's scary. So now we have Norm. And how and why was he involved with Denny? And who is Lisa? There's an awful lot of people in this book for me to keep track of people. Oh, um, you know, these these are very minor characters. Yeah. Um, uh, Norm, Norm um, was Rosie's husband. Who mm. she married when after Denny was born, when Denny was a couple of years old, and um, he he was a good stepfather to Denny. Um, got him, you know, gave him some attention. Got him, uh, got him some therapy. Um, so uh, Denny may Denny may have turned out okay. Uh, but we don't know that yet. Well, we're not going to tell them that yet either. So Bethany, this got poor Bethany. She disappears. So how does Jenna find her phone and more? And what do they think happened to her? Well, um, Jenna at one point goes back to Zach on the North Fork. And... Um, Bethany, who Jenna suspected was having an affair with Zach, um, mm. seems to have disappeared. Um, Jenna had sort of imagined that Bethany would step right into her shoes once she left to go to the city. Um, but it turns out that Bethany has not been around the inn or the marina that Zach owns, and she hasn't been cited by anyone. So effectively, um, Zach says, no, she hasn't been here. I don't know where she is, and I don't care, he says. But um, Jenna doesn't really believe that until she goes up to the room where Bethany sometimes stays at the inn, and she's hunting around the room searching for clues as to where Bethany might be, and she finds Bethany's cell phone, which is, um, a big flag, obviously, because you know who goes without their cell phone anywhere these days. Right. So she couldn't imagine that Bethany had left it behind. And why hadn't she called anyone and said, "Hey, have you seen my cell phone?" So um, 
then we know, uh, and, and Chief Brad comes and says, oh, Bethany's friend has said she hasn't heard from her in, in more than a week. Um, we, we need to find her. So then we know that Bethany is missing, and um, she, uh, she doesn't return to the inn um, anytime soon. Well, there's a way I know. The book I'm reading now is interesting because you can the person's cell phone can be off or whatever. They can get their records. They can actually tell where they were. So if somebody commits a crime and says, I was here, and the cell phone can tell them, no, you were there, <laughs> you definitely can tell them. So yeah. tell us more about Denny and Zach as teens because that was interesting. Uh, they um, De- Denny, the serial killer's son. Um, yeah. We, we he belongs to Evil Ed. <laughs> yeah. We we only learn about um, Denny's teenage years from um, a, a former, an old neighbor of Rosie's, um, where yeah. Rosie lived next door. And um, he he seemed to be a pretty normal guy. Um, <laughs> according to this neighbor, Denny was like a normalish teenager. So... Um, and, you know, lived on Long Island and was going to school and would water her plants and feed the cat when this neighbor went away. So he seemed to be okay, although um, the neighbor says, well, you know, I, I sometimes suspected that he'd been drinking my liquor. But, you know, nothing nothing terribly um, psychopathic like his father. Zach, on the other hand, um, he... He was uh, raised in Florida uh, by his single mother um, because she was thrown out of the house by her father. So she ended up in a trailer park in in, in Florida, but um, not any kind of ordinary trailer park because there is a trailer park in Florida. It's about 20 miles south of Palm Beach, and it's actually on the ocean. Half of it is on the ocean, half of it Mm. is on the intracoastal. So the people in this trailer park have a lovely location to live in, and that's where where Zach was raised. And um, he uh, he, uh, obviously um, respected his mother's wishes to Mm. um, ignore the family that had thrown her out when she got pregnant. So he, he stayed in Florida until she dies, and then he makes his way up to um, get to know the family on the North Fork. So we have Jeremiah King. Hmm, who was he? And who was Miranda? That's the grandfather. That's the grandfather, right? That's the grandfather who threw out Zach's mother when she got pregnant, and she wouldn't tell him who the father was, so he threw her out. Well, you know, and that goes back what? I mean, that goes back a long time when people were much stricter and fathers yeah. were stricter. And, uh, so uh, so that that was... Ger- but all these people, they, they're mentioned, but they don't have... I mean, this is not a great big family saga. It is, it is the story mm. of Jenna trying to find Denny 
um, to find out what's happened to him and if he might be behind um, what's going on. Like maybe she figures maybe he's um, responsible for Bethany's disappearance because Bethany is um, a, a couple of years older than um, Dolly, Jenna's daughter. And Jenna, of course, immediately thinks the worst and she thinks, oh, maybe Bethany was taken by someone who thought that she was Jenna's daughter. Uh, so, uh, you know, basically, it's the book is the story of Jenna trying to find Denny and to make sure that um, he can't harm her or anyone in her family, especially Dolly. I mean, she's very concerned to keep her daughter safe. I won't even tell you that the ending is going to shock the daylights out of everybody. Let me tell you. It was really like, <laughs> holy God. So we have, what was the interview in Monte Carlo that she had? And explain the documents that she finds on Zach's computer. He's not exact. oh gosh, sad, scary. Um, don't, don't worry about the interview in Monte Carlo. That's just like a little snippet there. Um, yeah. This was the next thing that Jenna had set up for herself um, as she's resurrecting her career as a, uh, as a writer and as a journalist. And um, uh, you don't have to concern yourself about the interview in Monte Carlo. It's just that she, in the end she can't go because obviously her daughter needs her more than, um, than uh, Jenna needs this story. But when I started the book, when I started writing the book, which was some years ago, um, this was a real story. This was a real true life story. Um, it was oh, the murder of the richest woman in Monte Carlo. This this mm -hmm. woman was murdered. And um, so when I started the book, Jenna pitches the idea of going to the French Riviera, going to Monte Carlo to, to interview people about it, to see what she can um what she can uh, find out about this whole murder, who might have murdered the woman, whatever. Um, by the time I finished the book, um, the son-in-law in the true crime, uh, in this true crime murder of the richest woman on the French Riviera, the son-in-law had been arrested. So I had to change the, her pitch to the editor slightly to say, oh, um, she had uh, gotten an interview with the wife of this son-in-law. So um, the story, because I took such a long time in writing this book, um, the mm. true life story, the true crime story changed a little. So, But it's just a throwaway line. It's something that she's setting up um, for her next big expose, her next big thing um, as a journalist. Um, and she never gets to go to Monte Carlo. That's why I hope to bring her back. But before I forget, Wednesday. Oh gosh, sometimes I just I get so in awe because so many authors ask for interviews, and then when somebody like this person on Wednesday said, "Oh my God, John Gilstrap, Blue Fire, New York Times. He's really big and he's very nice." On the twenty fourth, let's hope she makes it this time. Stella Terror. Heart wrote a book about the Holocaust and about her family. It'll bring tears to your eyes. On the 28th, Just Like Us Other Girls, Claire Douglas. On the 2nd, Wayward Assassin. On the 3rd, Driven. And wait till you hear about 
March 8th. New York Times, the number one criminal defense lawyer in the world, Philip Margolin, takes center stage with The Darkest Place. You've got to read it. And on the 10th, Andrea Kane at any cost. And that's just part of March. It gets even better by the end of the month. It gets really wild. So I am so honored. You have no idea that all these people want to be on my on my broadcast. But we've got another character that I really felt bad about, and that's Adele. And why did Jenna want to see her? Uh, Adele, Adele is um, Denny's uh, stepsister. Uh, mm-hmm. And for a time when uh, Denny was still um, at home, uh, Adele lives in the same house. So um, this is another character that Jenna has on her list to find, to ask if, um, if Adele knows where Denny is, what he's been doing, what's happened to him. So um, she has her on the list, but she has to find Adele first because uh, Adele at some point went to Arizona to marry um, someone uh, who lived down there, and that's where she was last spotted, so to speak. So uh, Jenna has a lot of work to do to find people who might know where Denny is, what he's up to, what he's doing now. Now, let me see. What are the questions, Zach, about Ryan, and who was Manny? Because we have a, we have we have time. Um, sorry, Fran, I I didn't. Who, uh, Manny is someone that yeah. uh, Jenna meets uh, while she's pursuing this uh, search for Denny. Um, but what he tells her is sort of part of a big revelation. Um, so. Let's not go there either. <laughs> no. What can, what can I say? <laughs> okay, where am I here? Okay, now, I don't blame Teddy. She wants Jenna out of Ryan's life. So how does she go about doing that? Because you don't want to be, you know, you're the wife. You don't want to be the other woman. You want the other woman to get out of your husband's life. Yes. Well, Teddy actually comes to see Jenna and says, look, um, uh, it's true that at one point Ryan and I were going to separate, but now I want him back. I want to be back in his life. So, and I'm, I'm nursing him back to health because he, because after this very bad assault, uh, Ryan is still hurt. Um, and he needs some looking after. So um, she says, I'm the one that's looking after him, and I don't want you coming to visit him. I don't want you to call him. I've taken away his phone, his uh, mm-hmm. all his devices. He doesn't need any of that sort of distraction, so stay away. And Jenna understands this. I mean, she understands that um, this... Uh, Resurrecting her career is one thing, but resurrecting her um, relationship with Ryan mm-hmm. is just not going to happen now. And and she's okay with that. She's okay with that. So we have Jonathan Vickery. Why does he sit out Jenna? And why does she get upset with him? 
Um, Jonathan is an FBI agent who uh, who turns up at the inn because um, because Jenna called him um, during part of her um, search for Den. She finds out that an FBI agent was also searching for him and she wants to know why of course what what had Denny done and the FBI agent tells her reveals to her why he was looking for Denny which is which is uh, kind of interesting um, but he um, he he aggravates Jenna because um, he turns up at the end and um, he goes, uh, he says, I, I know you called me and I just, I was in the area, so um, here. Anyway, she, um, she, she doesn't, she doesn't like him being there and she's a little bit abrupt with him. So um, I don't want to say too much about his role and what no. he does because that's another that's it's all by the time he appears in in the book it's beginning to come together for Jenna what what is you know um she's beginning to understand what um has happened um and 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 so we're getting close to um the big revelation uh, that big revelation anyway. was, oh, my God. But that big revelation is on a specific page, but I'm not going to tell you what page it's on because I have it <laughs> in my questions, but I'm not going to say the page, yes. So when Jenna well, finds out this this truth, it's like, holy God, and Jonathan pieces it together, how do you deal with that? Because how do you deal with that truth? I mean, like, oh, my God, you have to be kidding. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan pieces, Jonathan, the FBI agent, I mean, who has access to FBI files and and local law enforcement files and so on. Um, He doesn't, Jenna pieces it together before Jonathan does. Yeah, she does. Um, And and so um, she, she goes a little bit to pieces, but she's a very resilient, um, she, she's kind of a tough character. She belted back and she knows exactly what she is going to do about everything she's discovered. Um, and she doesn't want law enforcement, police, FBI involved in what she's going to do because um, because that would sort of bring a lot of media attention to her. So she knows that she would be in the same situation that Denny had once been with all the media attention focused on him. So this would be a bit karmic, but she mm. has to. She is adamant about protecting Dolly um, from any, any scandal, any media attention. Yeah. So she has to deal with this revelation herself. Um, and so um, that's even more reason to send Jonathan. Like goodbye, uh, go away. I can. I'm now going to deal with this on my own. 
Well, that's probably the best thing that she could do. So, this is this is terrifying. Well, I know an ending that is terrifying, and a mother that has a life-changing experience. So, how did you, without giving it away, people? Because we're not going to tell you the ending. Because when you read the book, you're going to go, "Oh my God, you have to be kidding." Um, so, how did she? How did you create this ending without telling anybody the ending? How did, how did you put that all together? That's scary. <laughs> um, I mean, in really. Fact, I wrote several different endings because, um, as it turns out, the antagonist um, uh, is. I know that people who have written reviews about this book who've read it already have said, you know, the antagonist is um, quite an if not a sympathetic character, they can empathize with him, which is exactly what I set out to do. Um, if, if you've ever heard of Robert McKee, who is known as the story guru, he teaches uh-huh. lots of things on screenwriting, for example, but the principles apply to um, writing a mystery or a thriller. And um, his position, as well as most, most writers say, you can't make the antagonist a total villain because then it becomes like a cartoon. So um, the antagonist in my story, he's quite empathetic um, and we don't really know whether he's um, a psychopath yet, um, but he he could be, I suppose, the antagonist. Maybe he could be redeemed. So I I wrote I wrote a couple of different endings, and at one point I sort of toyed with the idea of saying, "Choose your own ending. If if you want if you want this you know if you want a happy ending for the antagonist, go to Peter. And so if you want him to be punished, you know, stick with the story as it is. But um, anyway, so. Um, uh, the when I decided what was going to happen at the end, um, then Jenna had to deal with things on her own terms, and um, she uh, she's very very clever and cautious about how she goes about. Um, dealing with things at the end. So um, also uh, another thing that we don't want to reveal, as you say. Um, but no, we don't she, to tell anybody. <laughs> so she she decides what she's going to do, and, and she follows through on it. Of course, um, the ending is not without its uh, little surprise when her plan doesn't go exactly the way she wants it to go. Um, but like I say, that's that's really taking the story to the very end, and we don't really want to reveal anything about that either. <laughs> no, we're not going to tell anybody. But these, I have to post your review later. I will definitely post it. It's not out yet till March first, right? It takes. It's, it's, it's coming out March first, right? Yes. I yes. want to make sure because I have to put my stars on Amazon, and believe me, they're going to remind me to do it. Um, 
you know, the last couple the last couple of books have been written by New York Times authors, and I've given three and a half and four stars. It's, it, I haven't given five in a while. I mean, like, wait till next week, people. So this is a story about deception, betrayals, jealousy, self-denial, children, teenage issues. So how did you incorporate all of these issues in your plot? Plus, total um, deceit. Actually, uh, I mean, that's, that's what plotting is about, really. I mean, deception and betrayals and jealousy are elements yeah. that produce conflict, and you can't really have a thriller without conflict. So you need um, a dose of all of those. Um, and I was, um, I was particularly uh, gratified when Publishers Weekly um, said that um, this was a well-constructed mystery because um, well, constructed is actually you have to fit all these things in and you try to make every chapter end on a cliffhanger and all of these um, elements, uh, you know, just add to um, a thriller. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it makes the book more thrilling and uh, I have mm-hmm. to say my editor my editor Helga Shear was tremendous in, in, in casting her eye on, on the whole on the plot and suge- suggesting things that made it even better so um, you know this is not something you, you, you can't always do the job by yourself um, you do need a good eye on, on something which has as many elements in the plot as this book has. You're very lucky because my last book, Population Zero, was edited as far as mistakes. You know, grammar, there weren't any, and a little bit of copy, but she didn't. the, the girl didn't give me any editing. The one guy was a copy editor just for, you know, editing mistakes and grammar and stuff, but the copy editor did not give me anything for um, plot. So I had a few New York Times authors read it, and they gave me some good ideas, but they didn't give me ones that would have sent the book over the top. I got a lot of five-star reviews, and I got a lot of people who didn't understand what it was about. Population Zero is about a world without people. And it talks about eight worlds, the nine worlds I created, a world with no uh, sun, a world with darkness, a world with a horrible forest, a whole bunch of worlds. And I invited a dead body to come back in and experience the world, hoping that people would understand that the one we live in may be difficult, but it's a whole lot better than the ones I've created. <laughs> Trying to get some kindness and stuff. And I got some interesting reviews. <laughs> and I got one that said, I don't like this book. I shouldn't have bought it. I didn't answer her. It was on Amazon. I go, like, whatever. I really don't care. So if you, you were just to... No, I, I really didn't care because, you know what, I'll stick by what I wrote. And I'm debating whether to write another one, and I have so many books to review that I'd rather do that first. But if you were going to bring Jenna back, where would you see her next? If you if you did bring her back, would she be a reporter doing more stories? Um, I don't think I'm going to bring Jenna back. Uh, this is yeah, I know. This is pretty much a um, so, uh, but I, I do like the characters of Ryan and Teddy. 
Um, I do like them uh-huh. as uh, uh, initially um, they were they were going to be far more prominent in the book than they are. Mm. And they were going to be a sort of Nick and Nora team. I don't know if that reference is wasted on a lot of people today, but mm-hmm. I think um, so. So if if I were going to do another book, then I would bring those two back and explore their relationship and their mm-hmm. work um, a little bit more than, than uh, is in this book. Uh, but... I haven't. I haven't really decided what to do next. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. What's next, and where can everybody get a hundred million copies of this book? Oh, and I have. <laughs> there, I give the books away. By the way, um, there okay. are two porters in my building that come from Ghana and Nigeria, and foreign countries, and the people there don't have books, so. I give the t- give it to them, and then they bless me. And they're so excited because they don't have any books there. And the libraries, obviously, they don't have. And either that or Rich's yeah. girlfriend takes them all. They they love me. <laughs> and I give them away. Or I give them away to people in the building. So this hands out to this. Trust me. <laughs> so good. good. I'm glad Where can that. everybody find out more about you when you work? And if you write another one, you got to tell me. No. Yes, I, I will. I promise. But everything goes on my on my website. Um, I I post a blog virtually. I've been doing it every week for the last five years. It's the uh, the website is joannaelm.com. Um, my my name. Um, and and I have addressed a, a, a lot of uh, issues in in my weekly blog, like about why I decided to write another book, how I wrote it, oh, nice. where I went, um, where I've um, gone to webinars and classes, what I've learned from them, um, and various um, events like uh, uh, writers' events, the Palm Beach Book Festival, which is a biggie in Palm Beach, um, and various writers' groups that I've belonged to and what I've learned from them. And and there's a lot about this book on the website, why I said it on the North Fork, which um, I think it's only the third uh, mystery thriller set on the North Fork, actually. I, I've been doing some research into that for an article I'm writing. But um, the North Fork is a very remote, secluded, quiet, or it used to be. Now it's becoming a little bit more like the Hamptons, which is the South Fork of Long mm-hmm. Island, so um, it's becoming a little bit more lively, um, which the locals are not thrilled about. They they liked it the way it was, but um, anyway. So uh, there's there's blogs about why I said it there, um, and um, just in general, anything you want to know about me or the book, you can find on my website, and you can order it anywhere um you could you can order it you know a- anywhere from your from your favorite bookseller bookshop um online um there you can pre-order it now from amazon from camcat books from um Barnes and Noble from anywhere anywhere where you buy books you can you can pre-order it and hopefully it will be delivered on March the first. Hopefully, yes. It's amazing that I got yours. There was there were several authors that 
um, had told me, why didn't you get my book? I said, because the post office didn't bring it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think they have selective deciding decision. But before I go, this is something I say at the end of every show. A lot of people on Facebook have been writing the same thing. In a world that is so messed up out there with this pandemic, it would be nice if everybody took time out to do something nice for somebody and say a kindness. Just say one kind word or just good morning, how are you? And just started being the way we used to be before this happened. And then maybe the uh, pandemic will disappear and the virus will go away and realize you're negative and we don't want you here anymore. But people have to start being nicer to each other. So when I do these shows, it feels like I'm doing something right. When I write a book review, it makes me feel better. When the author says, oh, you really understood it and you know what to write, I try hard. And I will not write anything negative about anyone because people work really hard to write their books. And they deserve positive comments and positive things. So, Joanna, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you. It made my morning. I could tell you that. Everybody have a enjoyed this. Everybody have a positive and great day, and bye. Bye Bye-bye.